Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas Feasy. I don't know about you, but that goes right through me, you know. I love that idea about that really everything is a waveform in our, in our lives. Uh, light's a waveform, and as a waveform is the basis of everything. And therefore, that's, from my perspective, that's why sound is so vital in that it, it, it goes into us as a waveform. And you can see it in big rock concerts when people sway together like that. And I think what you do here just has a waveform that goes right through us. And I so appreciate what, what you do. Anyway, thank you. <clears throat> I'm going to just begin with a prayer. O love divine, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ. Amen. So this is the third of our series on friendship. And in the first one, I sort of define friendship as the deepest level of support and encouragement to an end that's mutually enriching. The deepest level of support and encouragement to an end that's mutually enriching. I think the mutual side of that's really important. It's not just about self-sacrifice. And I think, you know, true friendship has to be mutually enriching. Both sides come out of the friendship with, a, with an enriched experience. And so in this series, we're looking at whether or not we have true friendship, not only with each other, but with, with all the various elements in our lives. I mean, do we have friendship with the planet? Do we have friendship with each other? Do we have friendship with our bodies, with our senses? Do we have friendship with our death? Yes, yeah, so on. So it, it is a big topic. And in that first week, I, I posed the question, are we friends? And we looked at friendship between people and the possibility of moving beyond what, we, what I call transactional nature of relationships. You know, it's rather than being you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, we want to move from there to that concept of soul friendship, <clears throat> which is based upon love. That friendship based upon giving with no expectation of return. And last time I spoke on this, we looked at the idea that before we can have anamkara, which is that word that John O'Donoghue uses for his book, before we can have, that means soul friendship, before we can have soul friendship with anything, we first of all have to make friends with our own souls, with God, with the ground of all being. And that last time I spoke, I talked about that friendship with the ground of all being. That's rather than having uh, that divine nature as an acquaintance, held at arm's length by our minds, we have to open ourselves to be suffused by that divine nature. 
and to have the sort of friendship with God, you know, in order to do that, we have to practice cosmic hospitality. Our role is to host the divine within us, consciously host it. And that's not too difficult because actually we're living within the divine rather than the divine being within us. The divine is actually hosting us in our lives, containing us. As Cyprian said last week, our bodies are within our souls rather than our souls being within our bodies. Our bodies are actually within our souls. And we, the ego mind, have to become less to allow our lives and our souls to shine through us as it does in every part of creation because all of creation is suffused by that ground of all being. All of, you just have to look out into the beautiful mountains here. It's all suffused by that. And we are part of that ground of all being and we are equally suffused by that. Make friends with the divine. It's the only way to make friends with the world. And so we come to our friendship with the 10,000 things, which is Buddhist shorthand for everything in the world of phenomena. The 10,000, everything is the 10,000 things. Everything that exists is called the 10,000. I think it's a lovely expression. Now, I use that prayer at the beginning um, because... I think it perfectly describes what I'm talking about here. It's, an, it's called the Collect for Purity, that. I've used it before many times. But it's an old Episcopal prayer translated from an early medieval text in the Serum Rite of uh, the Book of Common Prayer. It's translated by Thomas Cranmer. A love divine to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ, amen. And the way I think it totally speaks to this idea of the 10,000 things, if you, if you look at it, oh, love divine, it acknowledges that divine nature that we are within. It begins by that. To whom all hearts are open, that divine nature is privy to all the secrets of our hearts, we're known in a way that we don't even know ourselves. We are transparent to that divine nature because it does suffuse us. All desires known, to whom all desires are known, everything that we've ever wanted is known to that divine nature and from whom no secrets are hid. And everything that we want to keep hidden is known. It's not, these things aren't known, I don't think, in a judgmental way, but in a way, in a sense, that ground of all being, it factors everything in. It just knows what's going on, and therefore, in the organization of the whole nature of the ordered universe, it's already factored in what's going on in your body, what's going on in your mind. It's, it's just part of what's happening. And then it says, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts, because we know ourselves... Um, to the extent that we know that our minds are going to lead us astray. It says, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts, because we know ourselves. We know that we're going to be led astray. And we want to ask for help in, in being 
in line with what's going on by the inspiration of our Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, from the spirit that is deep within us and deep within creation. We want that help that I may perfectly love you, that I may totally accept the 10,000 things, that I may totally accept all creation as it comes towards me and worthily magnify your holy name. And accepting the 10,000 things, we also allow the spirit to flow through us so we might represent the love that's within us. So we welcome the 10,000 things that I may perfectly love you and we worthily magnify. We are an open conduit for love through Christ. Again, as Cyprian said last week, through Sophia. the logos, the ordering principle of wisdom that lies deep within us. There is an ordering principle, and we're asking that ordering principle. And that's why that that prayer is so amazing. It just sort of positions us to deal with our lives. And I think that's the nub of it, of what it is to be friends with the 10,000 things, everything that exists in the world. Because we're really talking here about about friendship with life as it comes towards us. I mean, life, it's a bit like batting in baseball with life pitching it one thing after another all the time and having to deal with all the things that are coming our way from different directions. Money, health, work, family, kids, shopping, politics, TV, social media, all coming towards us all the time. And every moment of the day, virtually, we are being assailed by the 10,000 things. And sometimes it's completely overwhelming. I think, you know, the rise in mental health issues is in part as a result of people not being able to cope with the rate that life comes at them and the damage that they feel as a result of being overwhelmed both in the past and in the present and we all have it to some extent you know the moment you leave here you're going to have to deal with people coming at you in reception you're going to have to deal with the food that's there deciding when to leave suddenly a phone call from the kids the boiler breaks down the car's on the blink I mean anything it just goes on and you know everything happens all the time you just have to deal with it both on a surface level as we get from one day to the next and, you know, it's also on a deeper level as we confront the the meaning of our lives. That that is going on all the time. That is a sort of a deeper thing. You know, what is going on? What What is the meaning in my life? Our regrets, having to face our death and the thought that our lives may have amounted when it all comes down to it, just to a hill of beans. How, how, how do we relate to that? Everyone faces it. It's how the 10,000 things appears to us. And, and we're asked to make sense of it. And do you know, we ask ourselves to make sense of it. We try and work it out. How do we create the deepest level of support and encouragement to an end that's mutually enriching with this chaos with the 10,000 things that happens in our lives. Well, of course, I think, you know, in trying to deal with that, the first step is what we did last time I spoke about this, 
We have to make friends with the source of our being, with that divine nature. We have to realize that we are suffused by it and allow ourselves to be an expression of it, that we may perfectly love it and worthily magnify its holy name. That is the anchor in our life. That's the beginning of it. Without that, we're just floating on a surface. Cyprian last week said we're, we're like a wafer floating on a surface. Without that anchor, we're just floating. I don't know how people really make sense of life without that deep anchor, without being connected to a greater order of which we're a part. Without that anchor, we're most definitely within a sea of troubles, whether it is noble in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them. Hamlet. But we have that anchor here. We can rely on that anchor. And the very fact that you've turned up today suggests to me that that you that anchor does exist for you at some deep level. You have something that not everybody does have, including many world leaders who are just making it up as they go along to stay afloat. We have that anchor. And yet we still feel that our lives are out of control and that sometimes we're going to get overwhelmed. Given we have that anchor, how do we then go out and create that deep, mutually enriching relationship with our lives that that we could characterize as friendship? Well, we do that by using the anchor and fully securing ourselves in it. And that deep connection has to be a priority. Not all the endless priorities that seem to flash before us and demand our attention. Everything is down to securing that anchor and then our security when the wind and the rain and the elements try to knock us over, we have that security there. Which is is why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you. He's talking about that anchor there. We start with that, with our practice, with reminding ourselves to stay in our true home, which is the present moment, and responding to all things out of that awareness. And there are tons of verses in the Bible about that. You know, if God is for us, who can be against us? All things count for good for those that love the Lord. So we create a frame within which to experience our our lives, a frame that says... May I perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. And then we look out at the 10,000 things. More Shakespeare. Blow winds and crack your cheeks. Rage blow, you cataracts and hurricanes spout, as Lear says. But rather than being a poor, infirm, weak, despised old man, as Lear felt that he was, and most people feel that they are in the world, we now have a way of being that enables us to take whatever the world brings. We've got that there. But you know, our minds still worry about it. Our minds are still churning around, trying to work out how to survive. And here's the number of it. For true friendship with the 10,000 things, we first of all have to make friends with our minds. We have to create that deep friendship with our minds because, in essence, our minds 
are the 10,000 things. We receive all the 10,000 things in here. It all comes and ends up in here. Our mind experiences it and our mind then creates the panic that can overturn us. You're reminded of that thing when the disciples are all in the boat with Jesus and he's he's asleep and they say, wake up, we're going to drown, you know, and he he says, oh ye little faith, you know, he's totally anchored and the winds of the storm, they, they go down. Our mind experiences it and creates panic that can overturn us. Friendship with the 10,000 things does not come from trying to control those 10,000 things. And goodness knows, world leaders and dictators need to learn this. We cannot control those 10,000 things, nor do we have to. It is our minds that we have to control. Our minds react and we then follow unquestioningly almost. But by making a relationship of the deepest level of support and encouragement to an end that's mutually enriching with our minds, making friends with our minds, we open up to that friendship with the 10,000 things. We say to our minds that we are rooted in the reality of the divine, And that all things are rooted in the divine. And even if we have to experience pain and suffering, which is what we're always trying to avoid, really, there is nothing to be afraid of. There's a lovely statement from Thich Han. He says, There's a natural tendency in us to seek pleasure and to avoid suffering. That's what the mind does when things come. We have to instruct our minds that suffering can sometimes be very helpful. We can even speak of the goodness of suffering. Thanks to suffering, we begin to understand. And because we understand, we can accept, we can love. Without understanding and love, there cannot be any happiness. So suffering has to do with happiness. We shouldn't be afraid of suffering. We should be able to hold our suffering and look deeply into it, hold it tenderly, and learn from it. That's what Thich Nhat Hanh says. We have to have our minds understand that being rooted in love, we have nothing to fear from life as it comes to us in the circumstances of our lives. You know, come back to that idea that each of us has a totally unique and perfect relationship with life. Nobody is living life the same way that you are. Amy has her own particular relationship with life, with her own past, her own present, and all the issues and all the things that come on. Nobody has that relationship with life. And if you think of life as being being a, a perfection and a whole, which is really where we come from here, that there is a a sort of unity, a oneness, there is a non-duality. That means that there is a perfection in that relationship that we have with life. And when we acknowledge that, the struggles that life brings you are, therefore, the ways that you can bring love into the world. In each situation, 
that we come in, we bring that phrase that James Finley used. That phrase, given all the circumstances, what is the most loving thing I can do here? Given all the circumstances, what is the most loving thing I can do here? And so we do that. And then there is more to deal with after that. And we do it again, given the circumstances, what is the most loving thing I can do here? And we do that without being overwhelmed. Our difficulties then become the ways we get to respond to life in a loving way. They are the grist to our mill of love. They enable us to respond to life in a loving way. And that brings love from us into the world. It demonstrates that love to those around us. But we have to be aware of the context of order in order not to be overwhelmed. We have to train our minds and our senses and become friends with them because they are the way that we form a deep relationship with the 10,000 things. We have to know that our purpose is to bring that same love into the world that gave us our life in the first place. You know, we were given life, as I said before, with no expectation of return, and we have to give to our circumstances with no expectation of return, not to control those circumstances, but to love them. It is through this that we develop a relationship of support and encouragement to an end that is mutually enriching for everything that comes into our lives. And so we make friends with our lives, which allows us to live in peace. We receive that peace, which is mutually enriching, and we give that love out into the world, which enriches the world around us. And we experience the peace. The peace that passes all understanding is the peace that comes from a deep friendship with our lives. Being okay with whatever happens to us and how we respond to that. As Mother Julian said, all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. That's what that means. But I also want to add my usual caveats about not coming off our meds and about not staying in abusive relationships. Uh, this doesn't condone that. It asks us to respond in a loving way. And if we find ourselves in abusive relationships, that sometimes means walking away. So think about your relationship to your life. Do you see the world as an enemy coming to get you that you have to fight off? Or can you make friends with it, whatever comes to you and live in peace? The choice is yours. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.